This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. A very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company again this afternoon. Wednesdays at this time means that it is Judaism 101.9 when we take a look at some of the things that make Judaism what it is, that make it interesting, perhaps uh, providing a little bit of an explanation um, about the things that we do and the things that we don't do about um, stuff that is relevant to us on a regular basis and then sometimes things that are relevant to us on a one-off basis and things that happen and that come around from year to year. It is uh, not meant to be um, uh, completely, completely uh, the entire ambit of everything that there is to know about the subject, but just to perhaps give our listeners a taste of um, something that is informative, that is important, and that makes Judaism and Torah and everything that goes with it actually what it is and what it means to us. So hopefully you can today um, learn something together with me and uh, that together we can share some ideas as to um, what Judaism is really all about on any particular level. This is not necessarily a beginner's course. This is not just for uh, the Judaism 101 um, kind of a startup kit, but um, rather perhaps to reflect, to look at some of the things that we knew that we knew or that we thought that we knew or we thought we had all the answers to and uh, perhaps to provide a little bit of a different or a bit of a deeper insight into actually what is going on in Judaism around us. Well, today is a significant date in the Jewish calendar, if not for the fact that it is the 29th of Adar Rishon, of the first month of Adar, it also makes it Erev Rosh Chodesh. Tonight and tomorrow, tomorrow night and the next day, are the days of Rosh Chodesh. They are called Rosh Chodesh Adar, but it is not only Rosh Chodesh Adar, because there's two of those, or there were two of those anyway this year. And we have these two days here coming up, which is the beginning of Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni, or Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet, the second Adar, is going to begin in earnest, not tonight, but tomorrow night, in fact. But Rosh Chodesh, as we have explained before, um, actually spans the uh, time and the date and the onset of the new month by having one day before and one day immediately thereafter. And so tonight and tomorrow is the 30th day of Adar Rishon, tomorrow night and the next day, is the first of Adar Sheni, or Adar Bet, the second Adar. And both of them make it Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh being the beginning of the new month, the head of the new month. And it is um, obviously a uh, significant time, if we think about it, because we're going from the um, 12th month, literally from last year, Nisan, into now the 13th month. This is kind of now going into real extra time. We have the extra time um, that is often so significant in a sports game, for instance. We now go into Jewish extra time. We go into the extra time of this extra month. And as we have mentioned before, in a year like this, point number one is that Jews need to ask themselves, what extra 
can I do or should I be doing to make this time significant? I've been given an extra month. I've been given some extra time in the Jewish calendar. And what can I do and what should I be doing and how should I be focusing and living my life in this extra time in order to make not only every minute count, but to appreciate the fact that this is not borrowed time, God forbid, but this is extra time. I'm living on this extra time, and what do I do with that beautiful and wonderful gift? Today, Erev Rosh Chodesh, in many spheres, Erev Rosh Chodesh was known as Yom Kippur Katan. It was a little Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement. It's a day to look back, reflect on the month that passed, and say, where did I slip up? What did I do wrong? How am I going to do the necessary tshuva, the necessary repentance for this month in order to be able to go into the new month, not only with a clean slate, but with so much to look forward to as Rosh Chodesh approaches, because tonight already, after sunset, um, we are into Rosh Chodesh, and Rosh Chodesh is festive. It is a time of celebrating the advent of the new month. Yes, it often works like this, that in almost every second month, there is a, the month has 30 days, and to, this month is one of them. And because it has 30 days, Rosh Chodesh falls bang in the middle, really, of the 30th and the first um, of uh, the new month. Um, of the advent of uh, Rosh Chodesh Adar, and we move from Adar 1 to Adar 2, from Adar Aleph to Adar Bet to Adar Rishon to Adar Sheni, and that all happens over the next 48 hours. But uh, perhaps we need to pause for a moment and think about the concept of the new month, the concept of a leap year, um, as it is known, or as it is better known in uh, Judaism, it is actually known as an Iburyor. It is actually known as a Shana Mu'uberet, which means a pregnant year. This month, this year rather, has a an extra month, and it's called a pregnancy. And if we think about just that concept alone, the concept of a pregnancy is always something that is uh, exciting. It is uh, the birth of new life. It is the idea of a child that is about to be born. And perhaps we need to look in a similar light to the advent of um, this whole year um, of uh, an Ibur year, of a Shanam Uberet, of a pregnant year. But how much more so when we actually come to this point now where we've got this extra month that we're actually going into. And, of course, it heralds the arrival of uh, the beautiful days of Purim and Shushan Purim and all the wonderful things that that brings with it. And then, of course, um, Purim itself signaling the fact that Pesach is just a month away and that all of those things are literally around the corner, the Chag, Hagula, the time of our redemption, the time of liberation from Egypt, and all other liberations that um, were to come thereafter. It is a very, very exciting time. And we know that Mishinichnas Adar Marbim Basimcha, that um, when the month of Adar comes in, we increase in joy, as we're told in the Talmud. And when we think about this advent of this second month, we are already in a state of joy, and now it's heightened just a little bit more as we go into this second month of Adar. There are so many positive things that are flowing through the veins of this kind of message and at this time and this period that um, it is actually incredible and really, really beautiful. But perhaps as we pause and look at it, we must maybe think a little bit more about why there is a leap year, what it actually means to us, and how when we look at the two great luminaries that give us our calendar, the sun and the moon, how we can learn from their differences, how we can think about our um, 
status or our state of mind, our state of play, our um, default setting, as it were, and think about how we are supposed to behave at times according to the sun and at times according to the moon. Now, it is the greatest. It is the biggest. It's the High FM Great Big Hamantash Challenge. Can you help us find Joburg's number one Hamantash champion? It could be you. How many Hamantashen could you eat in five minutes? Start practicing now because it will be worth your while. 2,000 rands in hold, cold hard cash and thousands more in vouchers to Norwood Mall for the champion. You can register by emailing info at chaifm.com today. The competition will be held at the Norwood Mall at 5 p.m. on Thursday, the 14th of March. And everyone has an inner champion. Feed yours this Purim. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of Purim fun. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. As we've been mentioning, this Friday is Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. It is the month of the holiday of Purim, of joy and of pranks. So High FM management is sending Howard Feldman and Zanati Gumba. Guma, sorry, back to school. Chai FM will be coming to you li- to your radio live from King David Linksfield this Friday for Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. Join Howard Feldman and the Morning Mayhem team from 6 to 9 a.m. as they get schooled this Rosh Chodesh Adar. So back to our serious business of uh, talking about Rosh Chodesh Adar and talking about Adar Bet and talking about the idea of a leap year and where it all actually comes from. So just to recap, if we think about the um, idea of where a leap year actually comes from originally, well, we know that Judaism, in terms of our months, as we well know, follows the moon. A lunar month is um, approximately 29 and a half days long. That's the amount of time that it takes for the moon to return to its state of newness. When we talk about a new moon, as we'll be able to see over the next uh, 24 hours, a new moon in the night sky where it's almost invisible, that that will then um, only occur again in exactly that phase, in that um, state. It will be back to that in 29 and a half days. The um, solar year, as we well know, has months that range from 28 or 29 days in February, but that's unique, and mainly 30 days or 31 days. Now, the reason was because um, they worked out a solar year based simply on the sun and the um, uh, the sun takes 365 uh, and a bit days to get back to its former state. And that's what we call a year. And they simply took the year and divided it up into 12. And um, it mattered not whether it was the beginning of a lunar month or not. The moon was kind of discounted in what was known as the secular calendar or the calendar that actually was originally devised by the church and sometimes therefore known or named after a pope, Gregory, and called the Gregorian calendar. The Jewish calendar um, takes the months into consideration, and therefore a, a lunar month or any of the months of the Jewish calendar year are either 29 days or they are 30 days, and that is constant. But now it doesn't take too much um, scientific 
uh, or mathematical calculation to realize that if you've got six months of 30 days, that's 180 days, and you've got six months of 29 days, that's 174 days, and therefore if you add them together and you've got more or less the way that a Jewish calendar works with one month of 29 days and the next month of 30, we've got 354 days, which obviously is 11 days short of a full solar calendar year. And that wouldn't be a problem um, were it not for the fact that um, the Torah tells us that the festivals have to be in the right time, in the right season. And, for instance, it talks about Pesach, and it tells us that Pesach must be in the spring. It is a spring festival in Israel. In the spring in Israel, we know, is more or less April time. And, therefore, Pesach has to follow spring, which is dictated by the sun. And therefore, our calendar is instructing us that while our months follow a lunar cycle, we need to have our festivals following a solar cycle. And they need to occur in a Jewish calendar month on a particular date. But there's got to somehow be an account made for um, the festivals and uh, being in the right seasons um, as they are dotted throughout the year. And therefore, the Jewish calendar had to take into account the solar calendar, this loss of 11 days per year. And um, the way that the calendar was then devised was that the Jewish calendar would have what we call a leap year, and that seven times, and that's this is the uh, the calculation is seven times in 19 years there has to be an extra month of Adar, seven times in 19 years. This it's more than um, just once every three years. It is seven times in 19 years that there needs to be an extra month, or what we know as an Adar. Rishon and an Adar Sheni, Adar Aleph, Aleph, Adar Bet, as um, we have been speaking about here. So this month is something that is dictated by the real formula of how the Jewish calendar works. It's often been thought or often been said that the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar. It is a lunar calendar, but it also very, very much so takes into account the sun. And it's not about just aligning us with the the, uh, uh, the Gregorian calendar or the secular calendar or the solar calendar, as we call it. It is not just about that. It is about making sure that our festivals occur in the right uh, times of the year and that, in fact, we take into account count both the sun and the moon in the calculation of our calendar. Now, what is the difference, actually, between the sun and the moon? And I'm not trying to be facetious with that. Of course, we all know um, what the sun is and we all know what the moon is. But let's just think about the idea, um, perhaps in a more philosophical sense, that the sun conveys to us compared to what the moon conveys to us. If we take a look at the sun, we fully understand and we fully can see, um, and particularly in a country like ours where we have a lot of sunshine, that uh, the sun always looks the same. Yes, um, we do understand that the earth uh, rotates on a certain axis and that sometimes the sun is further away and uh, therefore it will be colder and sometimes it's closer and therefore it will be warmer. We've fully got all of that, but the sun always appears in its same form. It looks exactly the same. It is the same round sun in the sky. And, of course, we're talking about if it's not obscured by clouds or anything else that gets in its way, we're talking about just its regular appearance in the sky. Yes, it comes up in the morning. It sets at night. There is something very constant and consistent about the sun. 
If we juxtapose this, if we look at it in a complete um, um, contrast to that, we think about the moon. The moon, strangely enough, throughout a month is never the same. Every day the moon is different. Every single day it's different. Even if we take the latter part of the month compared with the former part of the month, it's a different part of the moon that is obscured. It, um, the moon is never the same. Day after day, for the duration of a full month, the moon keeps on changing. It is either waxing or it is waning. It is getting bigger or it's getting smaller. And um, it either has a crescent going in one direction or in the other. And um, this is something that is peculiar to and is um, very, very intrinsic to the way that the moon actually functions in the sky. If we think about these two things in juxtaposition, we think about them as they come together in terms of the fact that our calendar follows them both, there is perhaps a very, very profound and important and a very deep lesson for each and every one of us to take from both the sun and the moon. We like to think of the fact that um, each and every one of us should be consistent. Perhaps one of the most important things that we um, find um, to be um, distasteful or not very pleasant to see is where people are inconsistent, inconsistent in their behavior. We pick it up all the time and we speak about it and we fight it and we're not happy about it. Um, you've got to be consistent, whether it is in terms of um, meeting out punishments or it's meeting out rewards. We like to see a consistency. A teacher in a classroom cannot be seen to be inconsistent in the way that they deal with their students from a discipline point of view or from a reward point of view or from a marking point of view and so too throughout every dimension of life there needs to be a consistency you need to deal consistently with um, people in a consistent fashion and you need to be consistent in your life in everything that you do in your relationships in your um Involvement in your business, in your community, in whatever it is that you're doing, your family and so on, we like to see consistency. We find fault with and we are upset with the fact that perhaps we falter or some falter and some are not as consistent as they should be. We don't like inconsistencies. And the sun perhaps represents that concept of consistency. And consistency is something that is very important to Judaism. We need to know, and we do that. If you think about it, we need to know that every day we, for instance, in our Jewish life, we wake up in the morning, we say modeani, we wash our hands, we have a certain consistent mode of behavior that is exactly the same each and every day. We then uh, daven, we pray, we put on our tefillin if we're men, we have our prayers, we do um, mincha in the afternoon, we have a cycle of life that we follow throughout the day, and there is something very, very consistent that is demanded from each and every one of us on a regular basis. Each and every day, there is the absolute consistency. So is there room anywhere for, not an inconsistency, but is there room anywhere for people to um, fluctuate, to not be um, only bound by this consistency? And this is where the moon comes 
into play. If we think about the moon, the moon is not consistent. The moon is not constant. It is not exactly the same every night in the night sky. It keeps on changing. At times it is waxing. At times it is waning. At times it's getting larger. At times it's getting smaller. And there is something about that in the cycle of Jewish life as well. You know, we're given certain things that are absolutely constant and consistent to deal with and to be involved with. But there is a tremendous amount of scope and space for um, self-betterment, for self-improvement, um, for taking the material and for taking the substance that was given to us and presented to us, which was constant and consistent and like um, and exactly the same, perhaps, in a certain realm, um, one man to the next, one person to the next, and everybody um, given identical um, gifts from the Almighty. But there is a certain element of not inconsistency, but development that each and every one of us can and needs to bring about in our own lives. We need to do things that make us better. And each day there is the opportunity to improve. And each day there's the opportunity to grow. And each day there's the opportunity to invent and to come up with new um, ways of uh, of teaching, with new ways of um, instructing, with new ways of learning, with new scopes and new things that are consistently, consistently being brought to us, there is the idea of self-betterment and of improvement that um, is not consistent. You're commanded and uh, Judaism thinks about this long and hard and says the same time as you've got to be consistent and there's got to be this constant um, uh, behavior um, in every which way of your uh, Jewish life, of your social life, of your religious life, of your spiritual life, of your physical life, there's got to be an, a- an element and an area where there is something inconsistent, where f- on some days there will be a tremendous accomplishment, on other days they won't be. And there is this idea of um, us needing to utilize the constants of taking the things that are consistent and that are there all the time and elevate them, uh, work with them, improve upon them, make them even better today than they were yesterday, and continually develop in our own lives. And they're going to be the setbacks. There are going to be the times when we are knocked back and we fall off our pedestals and we feel hurt and we feel upset and we feel sad and we feel angry and we feel aggrieved and we feel outdone and uh, all of that. And that's all part of the human experience. That's all part of human growth. And that's all part of being Jewish. Now, one of the things that is astounding here is that, in fact, Judaism demands from a Jew to A, be consistent and constant and exactly the same. And at the same time, to be completely different, to be completely different each day. Not different as in you are different from everybody else. That's another story. But to be completely different today from what you were yesterday and completely different tomorrow from what you are today. To develop, to grow, to improve. All of those things are um, actually, they seem to be completely, completely at loggerheads one with the other. They are contradictions. And if we think about it, this is one of the most important and essential Demands of Judaism, of Torah Judaism, from each and every one of us, from each and every Jew. And that is to live that seeming contradiction. To be able to take that contradictory con- con- continuity and consistency and constantness and allow it to be influenced by it, to allow it to be worked upon and improved by the inconsistencies, by the um, developments, by the um, betterment and by the growth that is demanded from us at the same time. How are we capable of it? We're capable of it because we are 
a miraculous people. We are people who have survived where no one thought that we could. We are people that have outlived those who have said that we will uh, be running to the ground way, way before them. We have um, outlived because we're attached to, we're connected to something that is miraculous. We're connected to a God of life and we're connected to a Torah of life and we're connected to a way of life that is at the same time as it is constant and consistent. It is very erratic. It is very um, fluid. It is very pliable. And it's something that we can work with. And the ability to do that comes minashamayim. It comes from our souls that are miraculous and that have this ability to work in seeming contradictions and make them all come together in what is known as Jewish life. Be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Welcome back. Yes, um, it is that time of the year when it is coming up to Rosh Chodesh. It is coming up to Rosh Chodesh Adar Shani. We are in for very, very special things, very beautiful things in a very, very spiritual time. But it's important for us to take a look at everything around us. A Jew has to learn from everything that surrounds us. We have to re- learn from every incident. We're even told by our sages that the uh, fact that a leaf flutters in front of you is something from which we need to learn. We're not always that convinced or not always that sure of what exactly it is that we need to learn from every event, every experience, everything that we go through. But there is certainly something that life, that God, that the world is trying to teach us as we uh, head along in our daily lives and in our lives per se, um, making sure that we pick up, that we learn, that we do the things that we're supposed to do, learning from and growing from everything that comes in front of us, that crosses our path and that happens in our environment. And um, therefore, how much more so when we think about something as important in Jewish thinking as our Jewish calendar, which is specifically set up to run in a certain fashion and specifically based on what are known as the two luminaries. Now, there was a whole discussion in uh, the beginning of the creation, um, at the time of the creation of the world, that um, our sages wax lyrical talking about the jealousy that perhaps there was between the sun and the moon, between the moon and the sun, the moon feeling a little outdone that the sun was larger than it, that it was uh, going to be out during the day, that it was much brighter, and the moon feeling a little aggrieved, known as the second luminary, um, had this kind of um, uh, negative stance, perhaps. Um, But... Judaism says we've got to take a look at the sun and we've got to take a look at the moon. We've got to look at all of these things and we've got to understand how they influence our thinking, how they influence our daily lives and how we can learn from them. There is something important to be learned from the sun and there is something important to be learned from the moon. There is something important, uh, more than one thing that is important to be learned from both of them, from all of them, from everything. And therefore my suggestion today is that we Take a careful look um, inwardly and think about, are we learning enough from the things that surround us? Do we take them seriously enough? Are we allowing life and everything that is so beautiful and wonderful around us just to pass us by? Or are we stopping and thinking about how we can learn from every leaf, how we can learn from every flower, how we can learn from every bird, from every individual, from every human being, from every person, from everything that happens, from every bit of news? 
from everything that we see going on in the world around us. It's not always that easy. It's not always that easy to explain. But there is something that is deep and profound and important that is being taught to us. And how much more so when we think about the sun and the moon, we think about the advent of a Rosh Chodesh, the idea of a leap year, the idea of this extra month that we need to pause and we need to think and we need to learn. And perhaps... It is something that we should take upon ourselves during this extra time that we have of the second month of Adar to not only be joyous and happy, but to have a positive attitude in learning a little bit more, in studying a little bit more about the things that are of such value and of such importance to us, our Torah, our mitzvot, our uh, beautiful, beautiful wealth of um, such a wealth of knowledge that we can learn from and that we can study and we can get into and we can think about and um, then some to take a tremendous amount of or make a tremendous effort in this extra time to make our lives just a little bit more meaningful, make the things around us a little bit more meaningful, get our attitudes adjusted correctly, that the things that um, we sometimes spend so much time on and uh, turns out aren't so meaningful, so important and uh, shouldn't be so time consuming are really the things where we're spending an inordinate amount of time and we should rather be doing um, a lot more in our spiritual lives, in our God, godly lives, in our Torah lives, in our mitzvah lives um, than in everything else where we are running the proverbial rat race. Be back with you to sum up right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elohim. Perhaps in order to define joy, happiness, simcha, we need to rethink it's not only about getting up and dancing and uh, being alive and being awake and being um, joyous in the usual sense, but it is a lot about a joy that comes from a satisfaction, a joy that comes from the understanding that we are going somewhere, that we're doing something uh, positive, that we're living a meaningful life. That brings a sipu kanefesh, that brings a satisfaction to the soul, and that certainly creates joy. And if we were to think a little bit more about our real role in life and perhaps learning it as we have discussed today from the sun and from the moon, realizing and remembering the things that are constant, consistent, and are consistently important on a regular basis, remembering that those things are unbreakable, remembering that there are so many things within our lives that have to be constant and consistent and that if we dare to infringe upon them, break any of them, we're not only letting ourselves down, but we in fact are wreaking havoc with the entire universe. That's how essential, that's how important it is. And then there are the areas and the places of personal growth, the areas and the places of personal improvement, the idea of taking our talents and using them correctly, of making sure that we invent when we should invent, of making sure that we innovate when we should innovate. All of those areas will also bring an added amount of sipuka nefesh. They will bring an added amount of simcha, of joy. Being constant, being consistent will bring you happiness. It will bring you joy. Being innovative, being um, um, out there and utilizing your talents and feeling fulfilled, that will bring you joy too. And these double doses of joy is perhaps really what the second month of Adar is actually truly all about. Let's be joyous, let's be positive, let's be happy, and let's make this second month of Adar 
a month to remember, a month that we remember because it combines all of these wonderful things, these wonderful faculties and wonderful things that we've been blessed with and bringing us ever closer to the ultimate joy, the time when Mashiach will come, when this diaspora will be ended and when we will get out of this galut, out of this gola, out of this diaspora for once and for all. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Look forward to being back with you again. Same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.